This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Before we jump into the word of the Lord today, I want to just say a couple of things to you as, as your pastor, for those that call Harbor home. It's been a lot of wilderness seasons, right, for all of us, maybe over these past however many years. Um, But we're going into the land. We're going into what God has for us. Um, Wendy and I were talking this morning. You know, she, I wake up, I see her on the couch reading her Bible, and she was telling me how she's been in Deuteronomy, just consuming Deuteronomy recently, and how Deuteronomy is all about movement into the land. And to, to remember as we go in, to give thanks and appreciate God and what he's done to help us to get to the place that he's called us all to go and all to be. And enjoy the process, right? Sometimes when you've been through wilderness seasons, you, you kind of forget that like life is meant to be enjoyable as well. Can I get an amen? Like, you know, like, like it's supposed to be filled with joy in life. There's ups, there's downs, there's hard times, there's good times. But at the end of the day, like we are called to, to, to go in uh, to a place of success and of prosperity. I'm actually going to talk on that today. And I believe this is a moment. Obviously, a lot's happened even over the last little bit with this overturning of Roe versus Wade. And I felt as a pastor to just say a couple of things to you about that. Um, it's a huge victory for those that hold that the value of life, pro-life, um, you know, is, is at least not being blocked by a constitutional law. Now there's, there's the implications of, of what's transpired through the overturning of this, the implications of what was adjudicated, and if you don't understand that term, that simply stated where judges make laws which is not ultimately what they were created to do, that the adjudication of this constitutional barrier was overturned. And now, simply what's taken place is it must be legislated, anything concerning abortion on the state level. Does that make sense? So what was adjudicated where it was blocked, you could have an entire state saying, hey, we don't want this, or here's what we're believing and feeling in our heart. Like if God were to move on a nation or a state or whatever, with the constitutional blocking, there was no opportunity for anything to be moved forward in terms of like the protection of life in a womb. But now it's been moved to this place where it can be legislated on the state level. Here's what I just was feeling from the Lord, like as I thought about this, because I was actually... um, very sobered by what had taken place. I felt this, the same humility that keeps us from reacting with outrage when there's a loss will also keep us from gloating when there's any type of a win. We're never called to live in either of those extremes, outrage or gloating. That is not the spirit of Jesus. We should be sobered and humbled by anything and everything that the Lord is doing in the earth. And as we enter into the land, remember that he's the one that helped us get there. 
You see, in the United States legal system, politicians right now have the responsibility to legislate and put in place law, laws. Now, we know our, our uh, legal system in America is not perfect. Um, it's one of the best in the world. The only true legal system that fully works is, is the legal system of God. Can I get him in? Like he is the truly the righteous judge and, 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 and one that oversees um, the hearts and intents of, of his kingdom and the father. But politicians are to legislate and put in place law. People have the power to vote the politicians in or out of office. You guys all understand that, right? So they make the laws, but we have the power and the authority to vote them in or, or keep them out. And judges interpret the law in those courts. I was thinking about this. The second thing I want to say to you as a pastor. You see, kingdom-aligned laws rightly position a nation for potential. But only the gospel can truly change someone's heart. A law will never legislate over a person at the end of the day, what they're supposed to do. Trust me, if I could go 80 down Highway 1, I would, okay? <laughs> I'm just being like, confession time from a pastor. If I could drive 80 miles an hour down Highway 1, I probably would because I just feel like I'm a good enough driver. I like to get to where I'm going fast enough, but I don't do it. I simply don't do it. And my heart is exposed as I long to do it, right? It's not the right thing according to the laws of our land. But I don't do it because I know that I could get a very, very expensive ticket if I get caught by the police. Can I get an amen, right? But the thing about right laws that I've appreciated, and this is just me in my international travels. If you've ever been to a country where there are not proper laws in place, or even worse, there is no enforcement of any type of legal law, lawful system. It is total chaos. And you feel very unstable and unsafe in those places. I remember coming back one time from a nation, I literally kissed the ground of America. And I said, Lord, I am so sorry. I will never take for granted what we have here that gives us at least the opportunity for a quiet and peaceable life. Do you, know how, do you know how rare that is in the world right now? To just have the opportunity to live a quiet and peaceable life. We need to pray for that for our country. So this is why it's very important that who we vote for when it comes to the laws in our country is something we've really much considered. You know, the legislators create bills for certain laws to be instituted. This are, these are politicians that are put in place. Committees are formed to study the bills. The bill is returned to the floor to debate and then vote upon the bill. After a bill is voted in by the legislature, it's either approved by the president or in the local state level, the governor, or it's vetoed. That's a really big deal because you could go through all of the things that you felt to go through to try to bring something righteous to the table. And in one moment, it could just be, that's it. It's important. If it's approved, a law is created. Just wrapping this up, I was just pondering so many complexities to this issue that we're talking about. But I was really, I just, 
I had to center in for just a moment on the one million plus children that are aborted every single year in our nation. And because of what was in place with Roe v. Wade, we had gotten, we had actually become one of the most extreme nations in terms of anti-abortion laws in the world. 63 million children over the last 50 years. I don't think, because it's not really seen or really talked about, I don't know if we really even ponder the implications of that. God's grace will cover. His love will mend and heal. As a follower of Jesus, I was thinking about our theology has to inform our politics and not vice versa. And the other thing I thought about is those on the other side of an issue, like abortion, are not my real enemy. Come on, somebody. I couldn't even go on Facebook or Instagram over the last, I just couldn't do it because I was so embarrassed in so many ways by how Christians were already behaving. We need to, as Julie said, mature and grow in our expression of Christ's likeness to the world. It is not a good look. These people are not our enemies. And even if they were, guess what? You are called, I am called to love our enemies. It's not just loving our neighbor. It's loving our enemies as he has loved us. How many of you know we were an enemy of God in so many ways, right? He loved us into the kingdom. What's it going to look like for us moving forward? The other thing I thought about is the world is watching right now. They're watching. How will believers respond? And I want to just say there is grace from the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. I'm going to tie this into my message today. We talk about him being holy, holy, holy. They're singing that eternal song. Why? Because that eternal reality of that song lives in you. There's grace for you to represent, represent Jesus. The world out there is not singing holy, holy, holy. They're looking for people that will manifest Christ's likeness in the earth, that are different, that are otherworldly. And I want to end with this. This is a, a moment where the church has an opportunity for two things, to bring transformational change to the hearts of those that live in our cities. And as we do, as we do, bring real life solutions to unplanned or unwanted pregnancies. Because the majority, it's over, I think I studied, I looked it up, over 86% of abortions over these past 50 years for, for, from mothers that were unwed. I mean, imagine how terrifying that must be. You don't have anybody to walk with you, help you, help, help provide the care and, 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 the, and the resources needed to, to bring this child into, into the world. I remember when Wendy and I were, were young having children, it was terrifying in so many ways. That wasn't from the Lord or anything, but I remember just feeling the burden of that responsibility. So, so we need to step it up. And I want to just say this with you so that you understand. This is something that we're very, very serious about doing here at the harbor. It's not just something we're, we're 
we're just going to make as an ideal, it's something we want to walk out. There's an entity in South Florida that's actually being recognized nationally called Four Kids. And their mission is to see a home for every single child. No child unloved, no child without a home. And there's a beautiful ministry expression within Four Kids that we want a partnership called, um, sorry, Savannah, what's in it? Care Portal. And it's basically where the churches of our region are given information of practical needs of women that are raising children on their own have in their lives. Oh, I got to stand up here. Come on, church. This is the stuff that not in a heavy way, not in a burdensome way, through our time and our resources, we need to partner with heaven to just take a step and do something. And this is a moment for us to do that. And so I want to just say this. I felt to, this is, I, I didn't even tell our team this. I, I just, I felt that there's some, some, something significant on actually doing something. And I'm going to ask my wife to, to do this. But on our uh, church center app, if you don't have it, there's a way to give and you can designate uh, giving into a missions thing. But I just felt today like, what would it look like or could it look like just before heaven if we said on the backside of this, the first thing I'm going to do is put some money in an account, whether it's a dollar, 50 cents, a hundred, whatever, just something in there to say, you know what, we're going to stand as the body in love on behalf of people that need us right now. I don't say that in a burdensome way. I know Julie already expressed there's a lot of, we all feel our own, we got a lot of our own responsibilities, right? Just so you guys know, we had three cats now all of a sudden make their way and are starting to live in our backyard, all right? And I am not a cat person at all. I am anti-cat. Can I get an amen? But, but when I saw these two little kittens and this, I'm just getting, this sounds sappy, but this is real, and, and their single mom trying to raise them. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I was the one that talked to Wendy and let's go buy the food and let's just put a little bowl out. We'll every, you know. And so every day when she was gone for 15 days in Columbia, South Carolina, guess who was out feeding the cat and the little kittens? Darren. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't. When you see the need of somebody, you know, we parallel this to animals. Animals are easy, right? Because they don't talk back and they don't do terrible things to us, right? So a lot of times we don't want to do that for people. But what could that look like? When, if, if you could give on behalf of our family just into that, just through missions. And, and we'll, we're going to put those resources towards this care portal because it's something we'd like to see us actively engaged in in the near future by the grace of God. It's something we've been really, there's a lot of scalability factors for this, so we're trying to figure all of that out. Um, but could we just pray into this whole, this whole moment? Like think of, think of the pain of women in our nation who have been oppressed in their rights. We, why are these, all these women rising up? Well, they've been oppressed in their rights. So anger and frustration makes, makes all, you know, hurt people. All kinds of things happen in that environment. We need to bring healing to that, to that environment. Not, we don't need to put, you know, gas on the fire. 
It's hurting women. It's their oppressed, rights have been oppressed. Uh, they, they've been sexualized. Women are, you know, let's, guys have not been awesome towards women. God wants to raise up godly men that will make commitments to women and love those women as Christ loved the church, right? What about the pain of an abortion? In our churches, people that have have had to make those made those decisions and what they sit with. What what if what could God do to bring healing to the pain of that? I, Wendy and I have never met anybody on the backside of an abortion that felt awesome about it. It was a traumatic experience. So, Lord, just in this moment, as we enter the land that you have for us, in this incredible hour to be alive, lots of crazy stuff happening, Lord, in the world, but you, you, are going to do some of the most profound things you've ever done through your church. Help us to get postured, to prosper in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's what I'm going to do today, and I'm, I'm sitting down because there's a lot in me, and if I stand up, it might, it might get ugly a little bit. <laughs> so I'm just going to, I'm trying to temper the passion that's burning in my soul right now. But I want to just talk to you super practically for the next little bit, and then we're going to go have lunch together, right? Um, or by ourselves, right? If someone's by themselves, find them. Take them with you, right? Let's do, let's do community together. But for this next little bit, I just want to give you some practical things that I, that I, I just saw fresh in the Word, as it relates to us being postured to prosper as the church. Meaning, successful in our assignment. Anybody else want to see the kingdom of God thrive in this moment in human history? Jesus, get the reward of his suffering, for real. You know, the, the, the bride of Christ actually become who she was always intended to be. When we begin to enter into that moment, which I really, really, I, I've, I haven't said this in my 20 years of pastoring here, I really believe now is the moment. Something is happening. I'm feeling it in my own heart that God is posturing us to prosper. Why? Because he wants us to win the whole world. Hear me. He wants us to begin to dream, I love what Julie was saying about business people and people in their places of work where we've kind of just, the, the toil of that has taken over and we're no longer filled with life and what we do. When that toil was actually removed by Jesus at the cross, there's still going to be a measure of sweat to our brow, but we're not going to become burdened by our work. We're actually going to thrive in our work to take position in spheres of influence of the world to collectively win the whole world. And the success of that is going to take on a lot of different forms. That You, you, you may be very much known. You may be not known. You may have, have a a, a tremendous amount of resources coming into you. Some maybe, um, you know, more tempered than others. That's all in the sovereignty of God and kind of, you know, the path that he has for us. I remember when the Lord told me, he said, 
You know, I, I don't talk about this a whole lot, but when I was mentored by the founder of the Walmart Corporation, and if I would have stayed on that trajectory or my option B, which was op- opening the first freestanding Chick-fil-A in the state of South Carolina, how many of you know I would have made a ton of money in either of those courses, right? And sometimes Wendy reminds me of that. Amen. Come on. No. Just totally kidding. Totally kidding. That's not true at all. She never says that. But... But the Lord did speak to me and he said, but I will entrust you with resources to bless the world in a different way. That was very sobering to me. I'm like, Lord, I want to be prepared to be successful in that kind of way. Listen to me. I just dealt with a guy who was in our region. I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to mention where his church is. Super successful in his ministry in terms of like, you know, people coming and even resources coming into his church. Just the other day, he's out because of a moral failure. Gone, like out of, like, and I'm, I just, I've seen this too much. Like, you know, man, wow, we're, we're going to win the world when we don't have a foundation of how to sustain. Not through, listen, the hard times are not the most difficult time to sustain in something. It's the blessing times. The hard times, you kind of like, oh man, this is, how many of you know when you're, when you're like in a desperate place with the Lord, sorry, I'm just talking this morning, when you're in a desperate place with the Lord, you, you just, you, you know, you go to the Lord, like I, you, you find, oh God, where are you? And you haven't really talked to him like that in a little while, but you find yourself like, God, where are you? I need you right now. But when we're being blessed and we're succeeding, how often do we go to God as much in those same ways then? This is what David did. David, every morning as a billionaire, woke up and said, without you today, I can't move anything forward in what you've called me to do. All of my money, all of my natural anointing isn't going to get it done. I need you to be with me. And that's why even though David messed up, he came back to sobriety on the backside of all those moments and said, God, without you, I can't do it. He recognized his own weakness outside of God's presence filling him. Are you following me? So here's what I want to do. I just want to give us some practice on how to become brave by owning the process of being positioned to prosper. I've been thinking a lot about ownership lately. There's some miraculous potentials that we may have the the possibility of having facility ownership after 20 years of of not being in that space. And I don't don't relish in buildings. I relish in transformation of people's hearts. But what 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 I have seen about the possibilities of ownership, it actually gets you dreaming again. Come on. Rental cars and owning a car are two different types of vehicles and you treat them completely different. Come on, car renters out there. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You get in that car rental and it's game on. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Maybe there's, you guys are looking at me like, okay, it's me. I do this, right? My car that I own I'm taking care of, I'm cleaning it, I'm making sure the gas tank never gets below of a quarter tank because I don't want any of those, those you know, the, the, this junk in the bottom of the tank getting into my fuel system. 
You know, I mean, all these kind of, when you, when you have ownership of something, you look at it completely differently. I would never buy an off-lease car that was a rental. Don't do that. You might save a couple thousand dollars, but you're going to get something that you don't know what was done to that vehicle. Okay? Because it wasn't treated the same way. I want to own this moment. I want to own my being postured, your being postured for success and achievement in this moment. I want to own that process. And you've got to wake up every day saying, Lord, I'm going to go with you in that, this kind of a way. I'm going to go there with you. I'm not just going to wake up and it be another day. So look at what, I just want to, okay, Darren, where, in the, where is this in the Bible? Well, let me, just, let me just show it to you, okay? It's all over the place. But let me just start off with 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. John is praying, and check this out. He says, I pray that you are prospering in every way. Oh, man, we're not supposed to be successful business people. We're not supposed to get our dreams. We're not, no, 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 no. He says, I pray, actually, that you as a follower of Jesus, and I'm not talking about some prosperity gospel here. Let's, all that's about is getting yourself a bigger car, a, ni- a nicer car, a bigger house. That's garbage. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about success in the world, success in life. Beautiful homes, beautiful marriages, beautiful relationships with your children, being great examples in the workplace because of the Christ in you that you carry. That's what I'm talking about. He said, I pray that you prosper in every way. And then he says, and that you continually enjoy good health. Isn't this interesting? That there's a tie here to our physical health. There's a lot that we could talk about there, but he says, just as your, here's the foundation soul is prospering. In other words, what he's saying, you can't prosper in every way at all unless your soul is in a place of prosperity. We get tricked into thinking, oh, well, now I've made it. Now I've got... 10 million followers on Instagram. Now I'm, I'm, I'm knocking down a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Fill in the blank of whatever you think prosperity or success looks like. But if your soul is not leading the way, you're not in a place of prosperity. You can't actually prosper. The walls of that, 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 that village will come tumbling down. So this is where he has called us to go. God has called us as believers to win the whole world. He just doesn't want us to lose our souls in the, in the process. He says, what good is it if you win the whole world and what? Lose your own soul. And listen, by the way, he's not even talking about heaven or hell in that moment. He's talking about the, 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 the health of your heart. Your life being productive and filled with, with the life and life abundantly that Jesus has come to give us. So what does that look like practically? I just want to just share two things with you that it looks like worship in truth and it looks like worship in spirit. And then we need to manage our expectations as it relates to his promises. So I'm just going to close with those couple of thoughts, right? And remember, and, and just to give you scripture behind this, remember he says, those that are called to worship me must worship me in and in Okay, so this is how we're to worship him. Worship is, uh, listen, I love times like this morning singing songs, but that's not what worship ultimately is. 
This is a moment to adore him and it's an overflow of our worship, which happens Monday through Saturday, all right? And that, that is where we're living our life in spirit and in truth. So worship in truth. Let's just look at that really quick. I, I know I've been on this whole faith, hope, love thing, but I just want to hit it from a different angle today because I feel like we need to get back to the basics and focus on things that are actually going to get us to where we're called to go. Things that have eternal value. So here's what worship and truth looks like. I'm just going to read this to you. We have, I think we have these points that I'm going to have them put up on, on there for you to see them on the screen. But, but here's the deal. We are fully convinced by faith concerning the truth of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. That's what worship and truth looks like. We're fully convinced by, come on, say it with me. We're fully convinced by, okay, faith is a gift. So this means that there's possibility for us to receive something that we can't have or drum up on our own, okay? This is what gets us desperate. When you go, my goodness, your word says that when you come back, there's one thing you're going to be looking for. Will I find faith on the earth? That's it. That's the only thing he's looking for. And then we go, oh my gosh, do I have faith? I just, sometimes I just don't believe. Sometimes I just don't feel like I can do it. But listen, there's a moment right now, if we could go there with the Lord and say, God, you give this as a gift. I want it right now. I'm not leaving here until I get it. I'm not gonna go outside of these doors. I'm not gonna take one more day until I'm fully convinced by faith of the truth of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Because we undersell what Jesus has done. And when we undersell what Jesus has done because of our misunderstanding, we undersell what's possible for us as his followers. We get so enamored with evil in the world. Evil has been demolished and destroyed, just put on display 2,000 years ago. Is it still at work? Of course. How is it still at work? We empower it with our unbelief and with the lies that we buy into. It has nothing to do with Jesus and the gospel and what Christ has done or not. He has already paid that ultimate price. The, the evil in the world is empowered, and oftentimes through the church, because we still buy into the lies. You know what that truth is? I'm just going to read these things to you. Impurity has been removed by the blood. We don't live in a dichotomous state. Well, Darren, what do you mean? Sometimes I mess up. Yes, of course you do, and so do I. But that doesn't mean that you're intrinsically um, you know, uh, unrighteous anymore. You actually have become the righteousness of God in Christ. So, okay, how do I reconcile that? Well, there's still something I must be believing that causes me to act out in these certain ways. But here's what happens when, when we go down those paths. Man, accusation, shame, and condemnation hits us right on the backside, and then we run from the Lord. So the second truth is that we have been freed from an accusing conscience. We don't live under that anymore. I'm going to read the scripture to you because I'm not just stating these out of my own little, you know, idealism that I've come up with. We are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. And because of this, we can, oh, this is so beautiful to think about. We can approach him with an open heart.
Listen, closed hearts are going to keep the kingdom of God closed. And the possibility for prosperity closed. This is how the enemy works. He knows exactly. He's been playing this on humanity for over 6,000 plus years. Maybe millions of other, you know, if you view what time, I don't know about time. It doesn't matter. However long it is, 6,000 or 400 million. He, he's, been, he's been studying human beings for so long. He knows exactly how to play us. He knows how to pervert the gospel. Is Jesus, did he really do that? Did he really defeat Satan himself and take back the keys? Did he really? Did God really say? But outside of having an open heart, we can live fully convinced, this is really powerful, that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. I'm, listen, I, I, want, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not talking about excusing sin. I'm just saying that when it happens and when we kind of stumble and fall in the process of like realizing what we actually carry on the inside, we're not going to go, now God just vanished from me. Where is he? I can't feel him anymore. I just feel lost. God, God, I can't talk to God. I for sure can't go to church. I can't go in there with those people. They got it all figured out. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 10. And since we now have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house. Oh my gosh, come on. You want to talk about family? You want to talk about a father that wants to make space for his children? He said, now that we have this. Come on. It's not like now that we're waiting for this, maybe it'll happen. No, now that we have a king priest that wants to welcome us into his house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood. Come on, we sing songs like, nothing but the blood of Jesus, you know. Do we believe it? Nothing can make us white as snow, nothing but the blood of Jesus? Is it that powerful or isn't it? We're talking about the God, God man who came as a human, lived a life as a human being and committed no sin and then took all of the sin of the world upon him, was crucified, put to death, went down on the, the depths of hell into the grave itself. And because of that act, the blood has power today to free us from all the power of death, hell, and the grave. Oh my gosh, I'm at 11.20 and I am just on worship in spirit. Holy cow. I'll have the team come. Let me just let me let me let me just hit some of this, and maybe we'll pull some of this into you know Fourth of July weekend because we're staring into the perfect law of liberty. By the way, like I said, there laws are laws, but there's the law of liberty, the law that sets us free, and we're staring into it according to James. 
Your tongue doesn't have to control you anymore. The lust of the flesh don't have to dominate over you anymore. All the brokenness in humanity doesn't have to reign in you anymore. You are staring in. Talk about what Megan was thinking about. We're staring in. We're beholding who we're actually supposed to be coming. And this is through the perfect law of freedom. But worship in spirit, here's what that looks like. We'll wrap this up with this. To cling tightly to the hope that lives within us through the work of Holy Spirit enabling us to, here's the things, keep this truth in our memory. Please don't disengage. I'm, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to bring this home and we'll talk more next time. Keep the truth that there's a hope that lives inside of us. Continually, secondly, move forward in this truth process. In other words, we're not going backwards. We keep this in our memory. This is important. That's why getting up and looking into the word and saying, wow, God, what do you have for me? We keep in our memory and then we move forward in this truth. That's all I'm looking for. I just say, God, look, just show me where you're, I don't, I don't celebrate what, what God's not doing. I, I look at and celebrate what he is doing. Okay, you're moving there. Okay, now we're, we're going somewhere. Forward momentum. And then you possess it. And then you retain it. You hold it to your memory. You move forward. You take possession. Listen, some of you don't think that this is possible. You are called to possess the fullness of all that Jesus has for you. And not only possess it, but retain it for the rest of your life. Anybody tired of seeing ruin come to people in their 50s, 60s, 70s? Come on. Prosperity of soul. Here's the verse. So we must cling tightly, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, to the hope that lives within us. I'm not going to be able to teach on this, but this is a little teaser to get you to come back next week. (laughs) Knowing that God always keeps his promises. Now, let me end with this. We'll look at this maybe next week, but we need to manage proper expectations on what that verse is actually talking about. Didn't have the time today to go into it, but I saw something new myself this last week when looking into these verses, like, wow, Lord, I've, even as it relates to promises that God is always going to keep, I had some skewed perspective on what that actually looks like and means. It's important because how many of you know promises via hope is always tied to two things, anticipation and expectation of what that will look like when it does come, right? And when that doesn't happen on the backside of that, 100% of the time, there is disillusionment. Anybody else been there besides myself? Oh my gosh, I'm anticipating 
this is what you're going to do for me based on the things I'm feeling. Here's the thing that is your promise. That is 100% you can take to the bank. God is and will going to finish what he started in you. Is that conditional, Darren? I think the only thing that keeps that from happening is closed off hearts. Open hearts. We don't have to do anything. It's just, you welcome me into your house, my king and my priest. Goodness, come on, just sit there just with your eyes closed for just a minute. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of God forever. Lord, would you, could you stand with me as we close this time? Can we just make a prayer together today? He would raise up worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. Because by your gift, they're fully convinced. And by the grace of Holy Spirit, they know that what you started, you will finish. Someone needs to hear this today. Hope is not lost in you. Hope is not lost in your circumstances. Hope is not lost in your family. Hope is not lost to all those dreams that you feel. The power of offense through disillusionment has no strength over you. The love of God is way more powerful than that. We're going to close a little differently, and I'm just going to offer this prayer up and then you can stay as long as you'd like otherwise you're, you're totally free to be dismissed and for those that have to get their children please do so but could we just take a minute this morning to take ownership of this moment to own this moment begin to dream again. Hey, look at me just for a second here. Wendy and I moved into a townhome a little over a year ago. I never thought ever I would want to live in a townhome. Why? Because of neighbors. That, that, that share a wall 
with my wall. Are you following me? Wendy walked into this townhome because we were selling a house. Actually, in anticipation that we felt like some shaking was going to come to the economy and we needed to be positioned. Because we make the big bucks in ministry. Can I get an amen? But she loved this townhome. I'm like thinking, please, Lord, change her heart. I'll live in a tiny house if I have to. I just can't have a wall with my neighbor. But here's what I've learned. And this is important for you to take away when you leave here. I've learned more about ownership in the kingdom, living in that townhome community than I ever did in a single family home. You wanna know why? Because when I walk in, we're sharing a collective little space together, a little neighborhood of 44 different townhomes that are put together right there. And when someone throws their trash out onto the road there, that's my road, I'm either gonna walk by that piece of trash or I'm gonna pick it up. I now care about the bushes out front of other people's townhomes as much as I do mine because if they don't look good in front of their homes, my neighborhood is going down. Are you following me? There is value to homes, right? And when things start to disintegrate, so does the value. We don't think about this in the kingdom, that everybody is part of a collective community. We are not silo livers in in single family homes. That's not even a part of the kingdom of God. In fact, when you read even stuff in the Bible about I'll build you a mansion, he's not even talking about mansions like we think of them. He's talking about rooms in one single house. There are many mansions. The word is rooms. There are many rooms. I know that's going to bum a blot. You have lost you right there. I wanted my mansion. You'll get your mansion. That room will be better than anything you've ever thought of. But it's a collective community. And I'm done. Can we just pray and then we'll let them lead us and then you can just be seated. You can go, you can. Lord, would you take us into the new, take us into the moment. Don't get distracted by all that's going on in our world. <laughs> let us see the beauty of what you have for us in this moment come to pass. We love you, Jesus. Over every heart in this room, let them take a step forward today in what you have for them. In your name. Thank you, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.